Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Governor Lombardo has made such a big push in the legislature for school choice, it might be the hill he's ready to die on. The governor's office says Lombardo is prepared to veto the whole state budget if lawmakers don't expand the funding for parents who want to opt out of public education. But who pays the price? Today on CityCast Las Vegas, we talk with contributor April Corbin Gurness to break down why school choice has become a darling of the right and why most of the attention in Nevada is focused right here in Clark County. It's Monday, May 22nd. I'm David Figler, and here's what Las Vegas is talking about. Nevada Current reporter April Corbin Gurness, welcome back to CityCast Las Vegas. Hey, happy to be here again. Hey, today we're going to talk about school choice because it just keeps coming up over and over and over again. And I'm going to tell you, I've heard it used in so many different contexts. What do we even mean by school choice anymore, April? (laughs) So school choice is like an umbrella term that encompasses a lot of different things. Um, A lot of people will use it in the context of uh, charter schools, which are public funds that go to sort of privately managed organizations, but that are still free for people to attend. Uh, School choice is also used to include private school vouchers. It's, It's a lot of different things. And and a lot of people will push back against the the use of the term school choice for the same reason that you see people not using the term pro-choice and pro-life in like the abortion rights debate uh, because it's kind of a loaded thing. And it's like, who's against choice, right? Uh, But primarily it encompasses policies that take public money and divert them somehow one way or the other to private organizations. Now, April, you've written extensively about this topic. You've said Nevada has a quasi-school voucher program. So what does that mean? Why are we quasi? Yeah, so your traditional school voucher program is uh, parents going to the state and saying, I want my money from the per-pupil funding formula to take it directly from the state and give it to a school district. Like, give me the money and I'll decide what to use for it. In Nevada, that was that mechanism was ruled unconstitutional by our Nevada Supreme Court. Uh, So what we have instead is sort of a quasi voucher program where a family can go to this organization that's been set up and say, I would like a scholarship, the Opportunity Scholarship Program. um, And that scholarship is funded not from the education stabilization account, the main fund for funding uh, K-12, but instead it's a sort of a separate program that's funded through a tax credit program on the modified business tax. So it comes from a different pool of money, which makes it constitutional in the eyes of the Nevada Supreme Court. Uh, and, and so it's not traditionally a school voucher program, as you would see it in other states, but functionally it acts much the same way. 
So, April, walk me walk me through it. Say some parents want to try to get one of these opportunity scholarships to send their kids to a different place. How does that look? All right. So say I am a parent who's unhappy with my CCSD school. I essentially go to a program that's a nonprofit uh, that administrates the Opportunity Scholarship Program. And I say, I would like a scholarship to send my school, my student to X private school. And then that Opportunity Scholarship Administrator, they have money that has been donated by, say, Nevada State Bank to fund said scholarships. And so they will give me the money. And then on the other end, Nevada State Bank can use their donation to the Opportunity Scholarship Program as a tax break that's given to them by the state. The Nevada State Bank's and the people that are donating uh, to these opportunity scholarships, I believe they get a one-for-one tax credit on said scholarships, but they also get the ability to send out press releases that say, we have donated to opportunity scholarships that go to low-income students. So it's also a good uh, community builder NPR. So April, why is school choice in the headlines right now? School choice is something that is primarily pushed by the Republican Party. And so now that we have a Republican governor, he has made school choice sort of a, he said it's a, you know, a a pillar of his platform and one of his top priorities for the legislative session. So he is pushing a massive expansion of the opportunity scholarships. Um, Right now it's funded uh, at, I think, $10 million, and he wants to make it like $500 million over the next, you know, few decades. Uh, So it's a massive expansion is what he wants. It looks like Clark County School District is at the epicenter of all this. So we're debating up in Carson City how much, where the money goes, how it works. Um, And now Clark County ground zero for where this school choice debate is being played out. The majority of schools that receive opportunity scholarship funds are here in Southern Nevada. Why is that? You know, I think it's it's largely just we have the giant population and the infrastructure to do that, to set up these sort of massive schools. Uh, most of our rural counties in the state are too small, I think, to do that. A lot of them share school resources with other counties. So it sort of doesn't make sense financially, I think, for a private school to sort of set up shop in a really, really small town. Um, so we just have the, the infrastructure and the, the people for it. A lot of the Private schools are attached to religious organizations who have big churches and and big sort of followings here. If you have not heard of Faith Lutheran, if you have not heard of Bishop Gorbin, I would be shocked. You know what I mean? Like it's just part of our understanding. We have the Meadows. We have really prominent private schools that kind of are just in our ethos and sort of understood, you know. And, And I think that the reason Clark County is the epicenter for this debate is because Clark County School District uh, has problems that are noted. Our, our test scores and our vacancy rates for teachers and our truancy rates and our graduation rates and all of those things have, uh, you know, performed not where anybody wants them to be, which makes great fodder and fuel for the debate on school choice. Let's talk about religious schools. Is is that the bulk of the private schools that we're talking about in this conversation? Yes. If you look at the data on opportunity scholarship recipients, uh, which I did sort of within the last month, it's 95 plus percent of students that are receiving opportunity scholarships are using them at religious private schools. Whoa. Mm-hmm. That, see, I, I did not realize that was part of the conversation. 
So almost exclusively. So when you see people uh, push back against the voucher program, a lot of it, I think, is driven by this idea that we should not be funding private schools, particularly religious private schools, which may be teaching things like, you know, how to hate gay people. Not all of them well, do, I, obviously. And I, I want to talk about that in a second mm-hmm. because, you know, that that's a bit of a shock to me. But I want to hit that number again. You said 95% of this opportunity scholarship money are going to parents who want to send their kids to religious-oriented schools. Yes. And then how many of those are in Southern Nevada? All of the biggest ones. I looked it up, and it's it's 80% of private school kids are in Southern Nevada, which is higher proportionally than sort of the overall population. Mm-hmm. If you look at the top three schools that receive opportunity scholarships or that are have students with opportunity scholarships at them. They're all in Southern Nevada and they make up those three schools, those three religious schools make up one third of all of the opportunity scholarship students. Oh, period. Just those, those, schools. <laughs> just those three schools. Wow. Because they're massive and they're just sort of established and stuff. So. All right. Well, let's talk about the curriculum now at, at religious schools. Do religious schools, April in, in Nevada, have to teach the same things that they have to teach in public school. I'm talking about sex ed, civics, our country's history, good and bad. (laughs) No, private schools in Nevada are very much hands-off in terms of some of the, the things that they have to teach. Private schools, religious private schools specifically, don't have to have licensed teachers the way that our public schools do and that our, uh, like our, our charter schools even are supposed to. Um, so they have a lot more leeway in what they're able to teach. Um, and a lot of it can be religious. Like Lombardo had a event at a Christian private school uh, in downtown Las Vegas and, you know, a, a dozen or so students and parents spoke and almost all of them spoke about how important it was for them to be learning scripture at school and to talk about Jesus at school was really important to them. So they don't shy away from it. It's not like this, you know, we're not pretending this is religious schools that are teaching the same curriculum as a public school it's they're teaching religious stuff like that. That's that's the selling point for that. And that it rubs a lot of people the wrong way. It has been constitutionally declared OK that public money sort of uh, funds that. But for a lot of people, a lot of everyday people, particularly people in the Democratic Party, uh, are sort of not OK with that morally or ethically or however you want to put it. I mean, that does open up a whole lot of different pathways of discourse, I think, for for sure. No one would, at this point, challenge the academic credentials and credibility of places like Faith Lutheran and Gorman. They put out some amazing scholars, and from all accounts, they have a very robust academic curriculum that exists at both of those high schools. Let me be a little bit of a devil's advocate, I guess, or maybe Bible's advocate. Shouldn't parents be able to evaluate whether their kids are getting the education they feel is appropriate? And why should only rich people get that benefit? Shouldn't poor people be able to be able to send their kids to the school that they think is appropriate for their own children? Yeah, that's the argument that people in favor of opportunity scholarships are saying, that people are fine with that. <laughs> and I think that's a, it essentially comes down to your opinion on whether or not that is okay and not. I think the one pushback that is sort of valid on that argument, regardless of whether or not you think that public dollars should go to that, is the fact that 
most schools, most private schools, their tuition is higher than the opportunity scholarship permits. So there will be an additional cost to that, right? So um, there, there is a gap between what the opportunity scholarship provides and what the tuition costs. And that's just the tuition because there's also extra fees. There's a, you know, $300 per student enrollment fee for the year. Yeah. And there's a security oh, it, it's fee. It's not cheap going to Faith Lutheran or Gorman. And, and keeping up with, let's, let's be real too, is keeping up with, uh, I'll just say the, the Joneses, because I'm sure there's Joneses <laughs> at both of those uh, institutions. Exactly. And I think, so that's the argument people have, a lot of people have against opportunity scholarships is that it is nice to say on paper, this allows low-income families to send their students to a school the way that a rich family could. But in practice, how often is that happening? Or is it primarily people who would be able to afford it anyway? And I think the data sort of suggests that if you look at the numbers and if you have any, you know experience dealing with a private school and sort of the fees that tend to add up, you sort of know that to be true. You know, now that you're saying all that, that makes me think about is like how much supervision is there on the religious side to make sure it doesn't kind of cross over? And and I'm not suggesting that, you know, hate is something that is taught in a religious school. I mean, I'm, I'm never going to say something like that, but I would imagine some biblical interpretations could cross a, a a particular hard line that might make it unconstitutional. And I, I'm wondering what sort of oversight exists? Uh, very little, I would say. You know, very little. Uh, private schools in Nevada are given a lot of leeway in terms of what they are um, approved to teach. That's the whole point of private schools is that you get to teach what you want. Um, so other than a disgruntled parent going to the media and saying, oh my gosh, this private school is teaching, you know, that all gay people are going to hell. Barring that, there's really no mechanism. They're allowed to teach that if they want. Um, And that's definitely part of the debate and why we should be talking about it, uh, because it could happen. And it probably isn't happening at our most prominent private schools, the ones that you've heard of and the ones that have thousands of students and the ones that are sort of revered in the community. But the issue is that opportunity scholarships and vouchers more generally aren't all going to those schools. They are also going to very small private schools that are set up that may be run by people who do have religious views that are more extreme and that that the average Nevadan would be upset with. And and right now there's no exclusion or off-ramp for those schools per se? Correct. And it's not part of the legislation that's being proposed by the governor or anyone else? Correct. It's very broad-based. Well, then let me ask the big question. What is the impact of these programs like Opportunity Scholarships on public schools in general? It's... Complicated, right? So there's, it, it's hard to tell, really, in the grand scheme of things, right? I think one of the arguments about their negative impact overall is that if you allow families to take out, you know, their students and move them to a private school, you're sort of self-selecting all of the students who already have parents who are really engaged and who already have money and who already have resources, and they're able to take those kids out. And who's left at the public schools, the traditional public school district? It is the poor kids. It is the kids who need the most help and the kids that are, frankly, more expensive to educate, which means that puts a greater strain on the public school district 
And then essentially that means that maybe those public school districts test scores remain low because those students need a lot of work and they don't have those resources because the resources are leaving to the private schools. And then that kind of there's a spiral, right, where all of a sudden then lawmakers can go, well, look at these schools. They're getting worse. We should defund them because they're terrible. But it's not necessarily their fault because they have to take those students. Private schools can kick you out. They can expel you and say, no, sorry, you're not a good fit for our school. And that's it. And public schools can't do that. They have to accept everybody. They have to accept the students who, who take more resources because we've decided that everybody should have a public education, right? <laughs> so can a private school then that gets pupils with opportunity scholarships kick them out just because their test scores are too low or because they're the slightest discipline problem? Yes, they could. <laughs> So, so the data is going to be skewed. Yes. So the data, it's, it's not an apples to apples comparison when you look at opportunity scholarships and private school things versus public schools. It seems to me like the easy answer here is make any school that receives any of this opportunity scholarship or other funding have to follow the exact same rules and do the exact same things that the public schools are required to do then maybe either one of two things happen. Public schools get better or everyone says, okay, this was a bad idea. Yeah. And I, and I think that's <laughs> that's part of the argument that Democrats are making right now in the legislature is that, hey, rather than divert any kind of money towards a scholarship program that essentially takes taxpayer dollars and moves them into private schools, we should make our public school district better. And we should bring our funding levels up to the national average. Or, hey, hey, crazy idea, maybe higher than the national average. And let's see what that does. And then maybe, just maybe, all of the schools in Clark County will be at a level where people can be proud of. And then you don't people won't have to want to go to a private school. That's kind of the argument. But. That's funny. I was going to ask you to say in six, as a joke, I was going to ask you to say in 60 seconds or less, tell me how we make Clark County School District better. But you did a good <laughs> job, April, without even the prompt. Hey, imagine that. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a crazy concept. So April, we have a Democrat controlled legislature. What do you think the chances of opportunity scholarship funding expansion to actually pass this session? Um, there's a low chance Lombard is going to get everything he wants out of that. I mean, his proposal to sort of bring it to $500 million or whatever is as uh, absolutely crazy and off the table. Could we see some incremental changes to the scholarship program? Democrats might do that because they need Lombardo's signature on their budget, period. And he has already threatened to sort of veto it if his priorities are not met. Um, so it, it depends on how how much of a sticking point it is in uh, the laundry list of his priorities up in Carson City and whether or not this is going to be the hill to die on. So we might see smaller things. I doubt we'll see the full shebang as he wants. Thank you for coming on City Council Las Vegas, April Corbin Gurness, to break it down so that we could all understand exactly what these big debates are about. Thanks so much for coming on. Thanks for having me. And now with more education news. Saying Jesus Jara isn't moving the needle, the 18,000-member Clark County Education Association is calling for the superintendent to resign. Um, have they ever met him? Jara's rejoinder to this charge of failing students? He and the school board will, quote, not be deterred in our duty to taxpayers or our employees. Also, 
CCSD police have thoughts on who's partly to blame for all the guns showing up on campuses. Parents and guardians do not secure their weapons at home and they end up on our campuses, CCSD Police Lieutenant Brian Zink told the Review Journal. The school district is purportedly investigating new security measures for next year, including the use of clear backpacks and metal detectors. That's all for today here on CityCast Las Vegas. If you enjoyed the show, why not tell a friend? Go ahead, do it right now. Tell the friend. Also, rate the show, leave us a review, and subscribe to our indispensable morning newsletter. It's filled with information you could use every day and tons of fun info about the city we call home. We'll be back tomorrow morning with more news from around the city. Take care. And how much money are we talking about, April, right now uh, as as we sit before any changes are made in the legislature, if any? It is like $6.66 million per year, which is not a number I made up. That is actually, if you round it, the number that it gets to. (laughs) And going through these six organizations. Correct. Okay. So a lot of sixes for religious schools. Essentially. That's why you'll actually see in some media coverage, they'll round up to 6.67 or, the, or they'll say six points, 6.7. They'll kind of like try to bump it up. But if you this look at the This all sounds like number, outtake. This is sugar cube. This is, it's ridiculous. 